Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. I did a uh, talk a couple of weeks ago to our young people on, on, online. I was very nervous. I get more and more nervous talking to young people these days. Just as more and more grey hair <laughs> starts to evolve. I'm not worried about the communicating. I'm just worried about how I'm perceived, probably. Um, and, I, and I did a message. It's the most negative title I've ever had as a message title. So I thought I'd share it with you. And that title is, real simply, Is the Future Ruined? Is the future ruined? Because I reckon right now there's a bit of talk going on and there's different voices and a lot of different voices. We, we do, do ourselves a bit of an um, injustice when we listen to so many voices at once. It's not good. It's actually not good for your mental health. It's not, just, it's not good for your recreational time. Uh, all sorts of things. Yeah, so I started to think, because here was the thing. I started to listen to parents who are worried for their kids, grandparents who are worried for their grandchildren, even down to very basic things like what is the world going to look like. Um, and, and it's sort of not unusual. Humans have this really unusual relationship with time. Yeah, really weird. Um, like you're here right now, but you're also carrying around in your bones and in your DNA and in your, in your mind and your experience yesterday. Yeah, really strange. It, that's all going on right now. And then if you're not too careful, you can get really overwhelmed with tomorrow. Really interesting that right now you can be living right there. I loved what Crystal said uh, as she was, you know, leading us, exhorting us in worship, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we're worried right now about yesterday, we've got to remember he is the God who was still God then. And when we're worried about tomorrow, you can rest assured he's still God then. And he's here with us right now. But unfortunately, we have these strained ideas with this. It all sounds very logical here. All makes total sense right now. But when you're starting to think about maybe dreams or vacations or things you did or didn't want to do or things that you did want to see happen. It's actually really interesting. Even in the Bible, you've got a lot of talk about time. Solomon said this. He said about our total lives, he said this. You ready for the most encouraging verse you've ever heard? Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let's go home happy. <clears throat> he, go, he kind of unpacks it through the whole book of Ecclesiastes. You can kind of get the feel. I sort of figured he hadn't had exercise, not much endorphins for a while. Like, that's pretty dark. <clears throat> I, I actually feel theologically like the Scriptures bang on because you can just look at a lot of stuff in life and just think that's futile, that there's too much pain and suffering, what's the point? Um, is it nihilism? Have we been talking about this, Shannon, you and me? Can't remember. But um, this whole thing over the nihilistic, a nihilistic um, sense like there's no point, so what's the point? So don't make a point, don't try, don't, don't make an effort is becoming very trendy in the younger generations. They need, some old, they need some older people to speak up for them and just say to them, hey, look, there is a point. Even in suffering, there's a point. You can't, you can't have pleasure without pain. 
There is no faith without ever experiencing doubt. There's no light unless there was darkness. Bible says even the darkness is light to him. It's like, you know, these, these are the sort of the, the experiences of life. David, his father, he wrote this. A little bit more positive. He said, Lord, teach us to number our days that we could gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number. In other words, calculate and weigh what the meaning of time in our lives are so that we, in our heart, really can come to terms with it. He's a wee bit more positive than his son, eh? A little bit more of the, less of the melancholy. Paul, in the New Testament, he wrote this. We need to be careful how we live. So we need to take care. We need to think it through. We need to actually consider our lives, our actions, our beliefs. He goes on to say this. Not as unwise. So we don't, we don't just want to be flippant about this thing that God has given us called time in life. But he says, as wise. So you want to gain wisdom. Wisdom will help you understand what to make of your life. And he, he goes even further saying, redeeming the time. So you can actually take this understanding of this tension. We go from meaningless, meaningless, to we can redeem this thing um, as possible. Because why? The days are evil. So, you know, we're in, this, in these pandemics and we're in these scenarios. So time is really fluid and we really need the wisdom of God to know what? How to deal with the past while we're in the present as the future is ramping up against our heels, right on our heels, <laughs> trying to work out what this thing called life is. So... I know it's a bit deep, it's a bit full on. You know, you'd rather me start with a story about my children or something. Uh, But I I actually don't think I should because I feel like some days it's not. You're not thinking about time. You're not worried about the the meaningless pursuit of life that's like a vapour. You're not stressed about that. You're like, there's just some days it's just great. Um, But but I think there are moments like this where they're they're different. I, I recall like this time, I recall 2001 being a wee bit like this. I was 21 years old when the planes hit the World Trade Center and woke up and remembered that the US is a little bit ahead but behind in time. So they'd already had this event, woke up to it on the radio. I don't know if you remember it. But I worked at a retail store that sold TVs, computers, and, and yeah, so we had a wall of about 90 televisions. And no one came into shop that day. I can't imagine why. Uh, and we just stood all day watching these events over and over and over from 9am till 5pm. And um, to me, and I think this is really good, felt like time stood still. Some of these lockdowns, eh, they just kind of feel like someone's done something to time and I can't, I don't know what to make of it. And it was very much like that. And I, I know this is a bit dramatic, but I wanted to share it because when I was 21, I didn't have a really, really great um, control on some of my thoughts. So someone had said, man, this will be war for sure because they knew the significance of the Middle East and the whole thing that was going on with these hijackers. And my mind just started going crazy. Rebecca was just pregnant with Ruby. So now I'm, this is what my mind told me. This is pretty crazy. 
I'm not going to ever be a father because I'm going off to war. It's like, what? Where did I get that? Where did I get that? Where did that come from? And it was as real as anything in my mind. Um, it was, you know, these events. You start to think, man, maybe the future is stuffed. Maybe, maybe we don't quite have the future we thought we we're going to. I learned in 2012 the very same sort of feelings when Rebecca was diagnosed with cancer. It was, I, I talk about it a wee bit because it was quite a defining moment um, and we weren't sure about what would happen and whether she would make it. So I, again, a very overactive imagination every now and then, but I was waking up after the surgery and they were um, giving her radiotherapy. Uh, this is how much, this is so good, eh? I would wake up at like one, two o'clock in the morning with visions of her in a casket. That was really not pleasant. And I would get up out of bed and I'd go to the lounge and I'd just begin to pray because I'd, I was like, like, number one, I hate what she's going through, but number two, why is my mind doing this? And really like sizable life events are a wee bit like that. Time just is affected. Life is effective. You start, I, I, I know it's not good to admit it, but I did wonder whether at one point, because they, they came back to us saying they found after, after the treatment, they found cancer cells in her chest and like this on the scans. And I, I remember where I was when I got that um, phone call. And I start to think, so am I going to be a solo dad of five kids? Just ridiculous thoughts, but quite a human experience. There's people right now wondering if something really sinister is going on in the world and whether everything's going to be bad. I get it. I, I get why our minds go there. There's other people wondering, you know, is any, what's going to happen with the economy? What's going to happen with the housing market? Is it just going to continue for our kids to be unreachable? I, I don't know. I, I can't answer those questions, but there is something that we can answer, and it really is this. What we know about time... And what we know about the future is that embracing Jesus and his way of life is the only way to gain a true and wise perspective on time. I've tried many other ways and I, they haven't worked. Paul wrote this. It's incredibly powerful. He said in Romans 8, 28, we know that it's God who causes everything to work together for the good of those and here's the caveat, who love him. You know, if you're, if you're wondering if the Christian walk, this Jesus way of life has got complicated, you'd be well-versed just to reduce it down to this one thing. Just love God. And we know that the love that we have for God isn't actually what we start with. It's he who loved us first. But just, just enjoy him. Just be, just be like, a, like a person who just throws stones into a lake and wonders, how do the ripples work? Be like that with God. Daydream about him. You know, be, be inquisitive about him. That's a form of love. It's just like, I'm just a little bit enthralled with God. And how did it all work that he was eternal? He wasn't bound by time. How did he come in human form? How did it all work out? Why was it God, all powerful, all wonderful, who made himself like a child? Who, what God does that? That is vulnerable to need nursing and taking care of. What sort of God is that? All of these things is what it's like to love God. To be enthralled by him, the same God who died for us, the same God who gave his life. But Paul's clear, he says that we know that God, that God, he's working things out. He's like behind the scene, behind a veil, and he's just kind of re reaching in through the veil of time, just 
you know, I'll shift that here. I'm going to work this thing out here. We, we, I think we think we're the ones who are pulling God's strings behind him. But we're not. We're the ones through here who are needing to trust that he is who he says he is. And he's reaching through the veil of time. And, and, and when we feel like, oh, I wish this would hurry up. because I, and, and, and the distance of time makes me wonder if he's there. But no, he says, I've, I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. All you're dealing with is not his, his being not there. You're just dealing with time. He's going to work it out. He's going to work it out. You don't need to be afraid. He's going to work it out. You don't need to fear so much. He's, he's there. He's right there. That, that phrase, and we know that God works all things together for good, is probably a part not many people focus on. That word know is actually to perceive and to see. We, we just got to keep seeing and perceiving that God is the one. What, what is Isaiah 61 says? He, he takes ruins and he rebuilds them. Ashes and turns them into songs of joy. A little bit like All Black supporters from last night. It's gonna t- don't, don't clap, Lou. Don't. I know you're I know you're South African, but you're living in New Zealand. I'm just gonna remind you. So, so I believe, um, like deep down in my bones, I believe in my spirit, I believe the future is not ruined. I, I enjoyed telling young people that because I've been a young person. Hey, and you worry, but I'm now a 42-year-old and I still think about it. And I enjoy telling people the future is not ruined and here's three reasons why. Number one, we have a hope that is here and now. That's huge. The writer of Hebrews was not mucking around when he said this. We have, present tense, this hope, which is hope is not present tense, I'll explain that, as an anchor for the soul. We have everybody, this hope, it's anchoring everything, and particularly the soul. The word um, hope translates, it's a Greek word that actually means expectation. The best way to describe it to you is when you have ordered something online and you get the tracking number, Crystal, you've got a smile on your face, you know this feeling, and um, the day that it says on the app, it's with courier, oh, you know, you feel me, ADK. It's with courier. And then, um, and then what, what you're doing is um, you're like a Labrador. Yeah. <laughs> you're out, looking out the window. Was that, I saw a yellow van drive past. Oh, there's another van. Oh, was that it? And you're just like this. this that, that is the most human way to explain to you what hope is. Okay. You're like, <laughs> because it's guaranteed. It, you, you, it's, all, it's with courier. Yeah. So, so everything in you. And then you're like, oh, I might just go in late today. You know, I might just organise my day just a little bit different so I can receive the, the, the thing I ordered, you know. And you, and you also know when you're like, oh, it's with Korea, but it's been all day and the feeling of that. But that's hope. Expectation is the word hope. You can't lose hope. You can't give up on hope. You can't throw away hope. As a Christian, that would be the worst oxymoron there is. A Christian has, so you've, so it's with us now, this hope and expectation of good to come and it's anchoring everything. I'll I'll just explain it again. Right now you have the thing that you are expecting. 
So you still expect good things to happen, but you've got the substance of it here right now. No other religious teacher will tell you that. No one else could say you have the hope and expectation of things to come. And, and the writer is very clear that it's not just of things and trinkets and, and parcels and they're all good. He's saying it's actually Jesus. So the moment that you put your faith in Jesus, there's a hope that's coming alive in you. You've got to tune into it. You've actually got to learn how to really hone, hone that thing. But it is actually so much about the future and we'd feel a lot better about the future if that was the narrative that was constantly going on. You just feel so much better about the future. I reckon 73% of the stuff that we find difficult in life is just because our soul's not anchored. I made up that stat, that number. I, I thought I could find a 90-something. I thought, nah, that's too, they won't believe that for a second. I thought I could go for a 60. All the optimists would say, get a life. So I went with 73. It's brilliant, isn't it? No, I really actually think because it said that it's an anchor for the soul. Your soul is most of your issue day by day. And by the way, an unanchored soul is like an anvil being thrown from buildings. Yeah, yeah, it's dangerous in relationships, troublesome in careers, problematic when you're on your own, when you're alone. When you're in a group like this, isn't hope just like the energy through the air? You know, faith and love. And then you get on your own and you're like, the future is doomed. You are Eeyore. <laughs> you're never Winnie the Pooh. Anyway. But, but I want to I wanna say this, that, you know, just an encouragement today. Okay. I reckon it might just be a bit of practicing that you've got to do. Because if I say you've got this hope here and now, an expectation of, to come, you'll never, ever, ever harness it without practicing it. So I've actually had to learn how to, in my worry, in my concern, tune in, drill in, actually get hold of God's word and, and let it anchor me. And I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing. So the second thing though, so you've got this hope here and now, but now we're going to go a little bit wild. Number two, the future is never ruined if Jesus is the one in your future. Now, I'm going to let you in on something that I've had to really develop over the years, and it might sound quite crazy. It's not, that, that saying is not a TikTok slogan. I'm serious. If Jesus is in your future, so if he is the hope of the world. Um, I, call, I call it this. What's the worst thing that could happen? I, I have this... Do you ever play that game? What's the worst thing that could happen? You should. It's quite a good game. Um, okay, let me say it like this, okay? Philippians 1 verse 21. Reuben, could you jump up here? Philippians 1 21. For me, Paul said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Okay, you ready for it? What's the worst thing that could happen? I live. All right, cool. I'll serve God. I'll live in God's hope. I'll keep living in this community, keep doing the journey of life. Okay, cool. I die. What's the worst thing that could happen? I'll tell you. The best theology on what happens when you die, the best. If you've ever known someone that's died, uh, my mum died a couple of years ago, so I saw this, I saw this right before my eyes. Um, best theology on death, what happens when a person dies, and, and the Christian worldview is this. Paul wrote this. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'll, I'll time it for you. 
it puts into context everything that's past, present, and future. Now, we've got as, as parents and as sons and as siblings and whoever else, these bodies to deal with. But don't you worry about them. To be absent from the body? Yeah. So I got to terms with this, and I had to really think about it, because every time a dream was dashed or a goal wasn't achieved or a concern or, or the stocks went up or the stocks went down, my hope was affected. So I started to think, hold on. And I'll tell you one other thing. I got really annoyed one time years ago when I heard a preacher from Australia say this, the best is yet to come. And I'll tell you what annoyed me is because the way that I measured that was the things that happened in life. So, you know, what are you living in a better house than you used to live in? Are you driving a better car than you used to drive? Are you, is, your, is your life on a complete trajectory towards just something that could be on a TED Talk? You know what I mean? Like, so, so that was in my thinking. And then I heard a C.S. Lewis quote. I parked it. I didn't think much of it. And then I heard a C.S. Lewis quote. And he said this, C.S. Lewis, for the believer, there are far, far better things ahead than anything we will ever leave behind. He was referring to eternity. He said, as soon as you go through that veil of time, Paul wasn't even permitted to tell people what was going on, what it was like. Uh, Frank Sinatra had a songwriter and he wrote this statement, the best is yet to come. In fact, Shakespeare, this might be Google misinformation, but apparently Shakespeare coined the phrase as well, the best is yet to come. For me, it's not an empty optimism. It's not. I've got to the point where I realise this. Who is in my future guaranteed? Jesus. Okay, and who is better? Bible says that God is good. He is lovely. He's wonderful. He's incredible. So, so an expectation of good, who is good? God, and He is in my future. I know, I think about it quite regularly, that through the veil of time, my life, that's what's waiting for me. And I've ta- I ta- talk to my kids about it as well. Because whatever happens to you in life, your future's never ruined if that's your future. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. What am, I, what am I telling you? We've got to start living with a more eternal value system, with a more eternal point of view. We're going to start being Christians. That's what Christians do. They don't love their life unto themselves. They're willing to lay them down. They're willing actually to sacrifice and surrender. Why? It's just you can't see it. But if you could see it, you would be like, what, that is my future? What? You just can't see it. It's just through the veil of time. It's there. If that is your future, if you have made peace with God through Christ's atoning sacrifice, through what He did on the cross, that's your future. The best is yet to come. Even if you suffer, even if you struggle, even if you go through hardship, the best is yet to come. The joy, the peace, the wholeness, where weeping 
and suffering go on no more, where you're fulfilled in the presence of God. Here's my thought on it. Eternity will actually feel like earth was like a dream. I can tell you don't think about this enough. I think about it all the time. Because there, the reason I think about it is because there is nothing else on life that lasts. There's nothing else. And, and so for me, that, that actually aligns, aligns my life. Okay, and then the third seems like a total deviation. But the future's not ruined for those who know their hope is here and now. So it's here, it's not just in heaven. Two, that the best is yet to come because Jesus is in my future. Okay, cool, so I'm anchored in eternity. And thirdly, you ready for this? It seems like a total deviation. Optimistic, decision-making, initiative-taking energy makes the future not ruined as well. Don't get distracted, look here. You're good, optimistic, you're fine. Decision-making, I wasn't referring to you, I'm very sorry, I was referring to everyone else. Optimistic, decision-making, initiative-taking energy. Um, I just wanna say this, God aligns Himself to people of action. Um, The qualities of actually taking steps in a godly direction um, affect the future way more than worrying about it. Add to that God's direction, the Holy Spirit opening doors, being convinced that the future is not stuffed, it's ruined, it's right for the picking, it's ours for the taking. I really want to encourage you with Galatians 7, uh, 6, 9, you reap what you sow. Isaiah 7, 9, unless your faith is firm, God can't make you stand firm. So there's a partnership. We understand that God does all the saving, but we've got to participate. I really encourage you that if you really are worried about the future, then do some optimistic decision-making, initiative-taking energy. Let the energy get under your skin. Make a change. Come on, reinvent yourself. Start praying. Start seeking. Start dreaming. Start believing. Just start. Make a shift, make a shift, make a shift. I reckon Dave and Michelle King's story is pretty cool. You know, just following their nose, following faith, shifting from Tauranga, you know, coming down here, um, sacrificing, um, studying, uh, Michelle really being the parent and the, and the provider during that time. No amen from you, Dave. Okay, that's fine. You know, just, just huge, huge. But if you know what they're up to, they're really seeing God open some doors. Now, what did, what's God open doors to? Well, it started with an idea and it was all based on the love affair of cooked meat on a barbecue. But they took that and they have taken it to a whole nother level and not just to a whole nother level, they've attached to it purpose. And I think that sometimes Christians haven't done very well to transfer hope into energy for today. Some Christians are the most disempowered people on the planet. And I just, it's just wrong that God has always worked through people and with people of action. Your action's not going to get you into heaven. It's just that your action might bring a bit of heaven to earth. It is good. It's just, it's just trying to get reorient ourselves towards hope. So what we're going to do right now is we are going to pray. And we're going to pray for each other. We're actually going to take a moment. I reckon over lockdown, one of the things we've missed the most is just being able to be prayed for. If you're new here today and you've never prayed for anyone, tell the person who's about to pray for you. Just say, I'm new. And let them pray for you. 
And, 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 but I, I'm going to help us do this. I want to pray for all of heaven's energies to reach through the veil. And just shake some things up, settle some things down, begin to plant some seeds, help us go forward. And I just really actually believe in there'll be hope. So maybe you're sitting on your own. You can go grab, find someone. Maybe you're not near someone. You can shuffle over. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask everyone, would everyone stand for a moment? It's just easier to do this while we're not seated. And spouses or partners, you can do this, uh, pray for each other. That's fine. But I, I really want you to pray for someone near you. And I really want you to just ask God just to come and just to re-energize and reshape. And particularly, I want you to pray that hope just materializes that here and now. Pray whatever's on your heart for that person. I just want you to pray a blessing over them. I want you just to pray like that person. Imagine that person is you. What would you want prayed? That's how you're gonna pray. It's gonna believe. And, 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 and we're gonna just give to God our lives afresh. And I really believe there'll be a turning point. So you're gonna pray just for a couple of minutes. Okay, a minute each. That's nice. And then at the end of that, I'm gonna come and I'm just gonna pray for everybody. And I'm just going to believe that there's a transaction of hope today. So strong. So strong. Okay, get into peers, okay? We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.